Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. This is the Brooklyn Combine. We're here at, um, this is actually a special episode. We, um, we have two very important people to us, um, brothers, um, comrades in, in this journey. We're, 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 introduce yourself. Wait, before they do that, introduce yourself, man. This is Kenneth Montgomery, man. My, I was just, my, my, my intern prompted me, Philip Shung just prompted me to introduce myself to you guys. I'm not his intern, um, but that's Oprah and I'm, and I'm Phil. Whatever, man. And um, well, who else? Combine and we have two very special guests and people here. Who we're gonna let them introduce themselves? I'll tell you who they are. Yeah. Age before beauty. Why don't you go first? <laughs> Luis Hernandez <laughs> and Sam Gregory. Yeah, two of our closest people. Um, founder, architect, um, all point man to the Brooklyn to Alaska. Foundation, which is probably one of the most um, organic and important nonprofits and just narrative changing and shifting organizations in, in all of Brooklyn. Um, Sam, Sam, why don't you tell us about Brooklyn to Alaska a bit? Yeah, Brooklyn to Alaska is a 12 year old program started out uh, in the gym, right? Where I, yeah, and, and, and Gleason's a couple guys, and I'd always wanted to do it and kept figuring out reasons why it couldn't be done. And finally, one year, I just made a commitment to five guys, mm -hmm. five young men. And uh, then I started raising the money, and we went our first trip that year. And over time, we've gone every year, the, except one year. For the last 12 years, though? Last 12, 12 and, years. And, I think this will be 13 this summer. Why did you even start this? What made you start bringing young people who... Um, had no exposure to, to to Alaska, but some some young men who often have no exposure outside of New York City. What what even made you want to put this program together? You know, I thought about that, and I think um, it's due to my own weakness that I think everybody's going to love the things that I like. Mm -hmm. So if I listen to certain kind of music, and I say, oh, you're going to love this music, what does it mean you're going to love it? So I figured these kids would love Alaska. Uh, and I had had every opportunity in the world to go places and do things when I was a young guy. And, you know, my experience has showed me, just like it shows everybody else, that there was hundreds of thousands and millions of kids across the country that could get the same benefit out of being outdoors and being in the wilderness that, everybody, you know, every other kid who could go. So I said, well, let me see if I can't start this program and get some of these young guys from Brooklyn up to Alaska to experience. Did you did you have in mind at the time a, a particular type of kid that you wanted to send, or it just didn't really matter at that point in time when it first started? I, I wanted to, initially, I wanted to bring for the first core groups uh, a mixed bag of kids. I've always tried to bring uh, kids from different cultural economic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to target 
young kids that would not have a chance to see a place like this unless they were able to, to join this program. And so initially, uh, most of the kids were kids that just wouldn't be able to go on a trip like this. Okay. Now, all right. So we, we got that out the way. We're going we're gonna to talk about Brooklyn to Alaska throughout our conversation today and what it was like and even our trip to Alaska. Um, you can actually check out the program at brooklyntoalaska.org. And you can actually um, donate and, and support the program and even come out and see the type of young men who are going on the trips on our, on our annual fundraiser on March 11th at, from 6 to 9 at Brooklyn Historical Society here, down, here in Brooklyn and um, Brooklyn Heights. But now I want to get to the real shit a little bit. Let's get down. All right. Um, I have been a lawyer since... Damn, 1974. Shit the fuck out of here. 74. I think. 75? <laughs> yo, yo, don't listen. Since Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yo, listen, yo. I, my entire Plessy career, I started 1997. And I, I always was, I thought, someone who, um, I, I had a, I, I wanted to be a good attorney. I wanted to be a trial attorney. So my eyes were open for the people who, people talked about a lot. So I started my career in 1997, and all I can hear people talk about in Brooklyn courts, it was Alton, um, who's a, Arthur Lewis, um, who was always talked about when I became a, an attorney in 97, 24, 25 years old. Um, there was the people who you had read about in the papers, you know, the Shargells and those guys, you know, get the, the big mob cases, the Breitbarts and, and all this other stuff. And then I was hearing about, you know, Tony, um, Rico, uh, a few cases. And then I get to Brooklyn and I'm hearing about Sam Gregory. I heard a little Gary Villanueva, Greg Watts, but it was Sam Gregory, Sam Gregory, Sam Gregory. And I was like, yo, who the fuck is Sam Gregory? And all the DAs would just talk about him in this like high regard and the judges. And uh, one day I was in 120 on like, I think in front of Judge Smith or somebody. And he, who comes in the courtroom? Sam Gregory, like mame of white hair, knew everybody. And we, that's how I met him. And We've been cool ever since. How did you get the reputation that you had in 1997 now, where I'm a, a young attorney just starting out his career, and you already had this this incredible reputation? Like, where, where did that even start at? You know, what I try to do is learn this trade or this craft from the bottom up. And so I went around and watched people, and then I wasn't afraid to run cases. I did try not to try cases on clients back to get a reputation um, when a guy should get out of a case. But there was so much work and so many cases back then that I was able to try a lot of cases. And I, I investigated hard, and I, I always had a theory, and I tried to implement that theory. And I just turned out to have a talent that I I guess I didn't expect I'd have. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to make the most of it. And I banged away, and I tried to be decent to everybody I ran into. And I tried to be nice when I lost and decent when I won cases and I didn't take any shit either. So I tried to be, be real. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So wait, I don't think people who may not know, may know he's, he's really, 
he has his hands look like he's a fighter. He he kind of he is a fighter. Um, I don't think anyone would take Sam for having any shit. I get that. What? When did you decide you want to be a trial attorney? Uh, I think probably as a kid, I was always enamored by crime and prison. And, uh, you know, my story is a, is a deep one going back mm-hmm. to when I was a kid that, uh, you know, I came from a family that was quite affluent. We were a big family, unusual, 10, ten kids in the family, uh, all Irish background. Even my sisters could fight. Mm-hmm. A lot of people <laughs> wouldn't even come, come, to our, even come down our street because they were afraid that something would happen to them. We had, a, we had a dog that was a vicious dog would bite you and everybody was was just crazy and uh, my mother was who ex- was the start of it like how, I'm, how, I'm gonna tell you my right. mother was an extraordinary woman and she had nine children and then when she was 45 she was pregnant with the 10th and my old man was cheap she went to my old man and said I need help and I'll, I'll give you the short version and uh at that time was the second migration mm-hmm. of black people coming from the south up north. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was jobs around, but you know people were looking for working houses and stuff. And so she put an ad in the Newark News. And we went out with our dog and chased everybody away until a guy showed up. And uh, he was from not far where your family's from, Kenny. He mm-hmm. was from uh, Thomasville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I could smell the liquor on him, and I knew what that smelled like even though I was 10 years old. And uh, we sicked the dog on him. He never jumped back <laughs> in the cab. He tamed the dog and what shocked do you mean us. He tamed the dog. In other words, he got he was used to being around dogs. He was a so country he, dog. he wasn't. He, he got down and started whispering in his hand and, and, and making all kinds of different noises. <laughs> oh shit! And uh, then looked the right. dog in the eye, and the dog wagged his tail, and he touched the dog <laughs> on the head, and our jaws literally hit our chest. Oh, we were shit. like, "Wow, who's this guy?" <laughs> and so. So he came walking over to us, and uh, he asked us, he kind of shuffled our hair and asked us our name, and we gave us our name, my, my twin brother and I. And he, my sister was five or six. He threw her on his shoulder and said, come out, take me to your mama. And we went inside, and my mother was waiting. Nobody had showed up. She she told us to wait to walk the people in. She didn't tell us to scare them away with the dog because we didn't want anybody to take my mother's place, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, he came walking in, and she jumped up out of her seat, and uh, I'll never forget it. She said she didn't expect the man to show up. And he said, well, I'm here. And she said, well, sit down. She was very old-fashioned Irish woman, uh, extraordinarily anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And everybody who came in the kitchen got served. Didn't matter who it was. So she served them coffee or tea. He wanted coffee and an English muffin. And then he explained that we left and hid and listened. And he explained that he just got out of prison for doing after doing 12 years on a manslaughter, and he escaped uh, and lived with Native Americans making moonshine. And gave her the whole story. This dude was like a fucking superhero. She, she said, uh, you know, how do I know you killed a man? How do you feel about that? And he felt very guilty about it. She said, how do you know you killed me or one of my kids? He said, well, I'm not here to do that. And she just she just admired the man. And uh, she came to us and said, what do you think? She would love him, love him, love him. She'd get off of me, slap you one, put your hands on me. <laughs> so, uh, so she gave him the job, and she said she'd see him Monday. And he said, well, he needed a place to stay temporarily. And uh, she said, yeah, we have a room on the third floor with a bathroom. Mm-hmm. But these kids will come and harass you day and night. Mm-hmm. So I insist, I really demand 
that you have your own space and your own personal, uh, you know, quiet and, and uh, your own room and that nobody bothers you. And he agreed. And five and a half years later, he made his way out of there. And he was he was a wild, crazy, wonderful, warm uh, person who taught me a great deal about life, mm -hmm. and also made me. I mean, this may sound stupid, but kind of informed me about race in a way that was organic. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. There was nothing taught, nothing explicit. Mm -hmm. It was just when you love somebody the way we all loved him, and they never take advantage of your emotion or your affection for them, then it has a lifelong you, impact you, on you. know what really, um, what I've always been intrigued with you about and, and respected a, a lot is that um, your, 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 um, your sense of humanity transcends race in class, right? You just said, yeah, I just heard you, you say, um, you know, because I listen to everything you said. You said a couple of things. You said anti-racist. Um, you don't hear that term and concept coming from many white people, people's mouths, right? But also, you, your ability to relate to people and narratives, um, it seems like it, it, it's not something that was fake. It was something that was coming from at a, a really, really young age. And I know for certain in this career, um, it's difficult because you often are dealing with people who may not come from your background. Um, but your your ability to see people as complex human beings and not let race get in the way is admirable. But what I've always that always wanted to ask you is that you also are white male, smart white male. You weren't always considered a white male. Irish people had a tremendous history, but America seems to program everybody. It programs black people. You see these dumbass coon people with Trump yesterday in the picture. Yeah. Um, you have white Cubans who are more on the side of Trump or Bush than they would be other people uh, of color. So there's a lot of programming that happens. How did you resist all the programming, you and your brothers and your siblings, your sisters, all your siblings, and still manage to, to evolve and, and, and understand he, that it's about humanity and, and not race in your lifetime? You know, I don't know if I can answer that in a singular way, but I think when you grow up with, and my old man was not a progressive guy. He had hangups about race for sure. Mm -hmm. And they taught me a lot about, about the pathology of racism. Mm hmm you know, and in some ways it was sad. I mean, my mother was much more liberated when it came to understanding people. And he was, I mean, he gave me a lot of stuff, but uh, I think there was a certain pain associated with that pathology that he couldn't get over. Uh, mm. And she just had a, an understanding of the human soul that I think was came from, you know, Partly from scripture, although she was not an outwardly religious person. Mm -hmm. um, She's Catholic? Catholic. Mm -hmm. She went to Mass every day, but none of her friends knew that she was even went to church. She never talked mm -hmm. about it. She didn't believe in proselytizing. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I think her, uh, you know, her experience that was so important for her to, to imbue upon us that you never bully anybody 
and you always watch out for people that have been persecuted. And some of that, I think, probably came from Irish history, that she, mm-hmm. was, a, she was a pretty good student of Irish history, and she understood that, you know, that the, the British had oppressed Irish mm-hmm. people and starved them and killed mm-hmm. them and murdered them mm-hmm. because of their race and their background. And she always saw black Americans as a special tribe that had similar that had similar experiences, but and also that you had a responsibility as people in a position of privilege Mm -hmm. to make sure that you were cognizant of of the condition of others and also open minded and showed love. And that's the the thing that really I think um, is so so outstanding for me and I don't mean outstanding in a in a good way it's just so pronounced is that even now I'm in these troubled times and I know it's always been troubled times but if you just show a bit of humanity and a bit of love nine times out of ten it comes back from just about anybody it does, it does. and you can have fun with it you can mess around and, <laughs> and, and touch people in these stupid mm-hmm. kind of ways. Mm-hmm. Can I give you one quick one? Mm-hmm. So the other day I'm getting on at City Hall going to Brooklyn. And uh, the train door is open and I'm rushing to jump on. I jump on. I, I run right up on a guy who's maybe 6'3", 260, solid. Mm-hmm. And so the black guy, I hit the, the pole and I step back and I look at him. And he's got a Carhartt top and bottom. Mm-hmm. And his tone, his skin tone, exactly matches the car. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool, right? So I look at him, I go, I gotta, I don't want to be rude, man, but I got I got to make an observation. So I go, that car with your skin tone, man, looks unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> the guy looks at me and he starts laughing. He goes, you know what, white dude would ever say that? And he goes, I love it too, man. He said, don't think I didn't think about it when I picked it out. So I said, well, you made a good choice. And so that that's worth a million dollars, you know what I mean? You know what? I'm glad you told that story because I've had a million of those stories and I've seen, I've seen it happen in real life. And it is is really um, it's it's a for me yeah it's, I'm still you know I, I for people for me like you know I came in it was weird and come into the profession and I've been fortunate to to have a brotherly relationship with people like yourself and and, and Tony Rico and Gabriel Nueva and all these these great men um, and I don't think people under, a lot of people ask me like about lawyers. I don't think people understand the one thing that all the great lawyers that I know have in common, besides being really intelligent, really, really exceptionally bright and quick on what we call quick on their feet, is that they all have an understanding of humanity that's very, very unique. Like it's not taught in class. It's not taught in religion. It's like it's real time. Right. And, and, and um, that, that's, that's a great, great story. Come on. You know. So, but yo, he's, you know, I really he's showing, but you know, he's showing me the fucking time, like a like a white man. Yeah, but you like can't. He's trying to you know control. what? Some of these guys, he's like a, like he's a, a being like a Protestant. Right yes. Now, you know? <laughs> but you know what? Now time. I just want to say something about. You got a little bit more time. You yeah, know, I left, and uh, I don't want to upset you, but I left uh, Phil's father's funeral. I and, remember that. And he grew up in Bed Stuy. I grew up in a big house in Jersey. But there was something super familiar to me, and that was the Catholic Church. Mm. And we were in the basement, and I said to Phil, 
which and I didn't go to Catholic school, but we went to mass every Sunday, mm-hmm. and then we went to CCD class, and you met in the basement what of the church. CCD class? That's that, that's religion education oh. class, and uh, I said to Phil, uh, "You've been in here a few times." He looked at me, says, "A few times, try like ten thousand times," <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah." Too many and, times. and what happens there is the same everywhere. everywhere. So yeah. there's like this. I mean, it's we a, have so much in common anyway, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's just connection. like something, another connection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you would have been. You and you and uh, oh, Derek. Oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it would have yeah, been. Yeah, it would have been problematic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it would have been problematic. You yeah. and his. My, my dad. Oh yeah. oh yeah, no, I would have. Every, everybody I know is my dad. They they know like, like all my boys that I grew up with. They they would like sometimes you would hear my dad coming around the corner type. Oh, and they, you want to hear like, my, uh, my quick story? One of my quick stories. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so we're gonna go over time. That's that's Phil, the Protestant. Hey you know, man, clocking you know, in some time. We need order. So so I come to the crib. To, this is the early '90s, so it's a ton of shit to do, Louis. Like you just run through the city, you know. You 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 you're a lot younger than us, but you same generation. Oh, uh, ilk. Um, Were we so home from school? We, we, we was home, probably home from school. So I come to his crib. We gonna go hit the streets, whatever. And um, you know the crib, you know, beautiful family. Mom's mom Dukes is in the house. His grandmother. Shh, yeah, we love lovely lady, lovely lady, right? Tough, funny. Um, his sister, his little sister, his big sister, um, who are my sisters, and his older brother, um, DJ. I don't, you know DJ, and his pops. So it's it's in the middle of the day. His pops like out on his boxes. I'm like, yo, it's kind of wild. That was like early evening. It was nah, a Knicks nah, nah. game. Really, I'll never forget this. this it was a Knicks like, game. It was like now, kid. It, it was light out? It was light out. It was light out. Now, that's another time with oh, the okay, Knicks okay. game. So we, 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 um, so I, I'm like, damn, this old school is ill. He got on his boxes and shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? So we talking. He's like, yeah, you know, my son, I, I raised my son's tough. I teach him soccer. I teach him how to fight. I make them um, do push-ups on their thumbs. <laughs> so I, I almost feel like he got down and he did one, and then he he made me do some. I was like, yeah, I did that. I did karate class. I did that. <laughs> so I get up. I'm just like, but everybody's doing, everybody's ignoring this shit. Because like, it goes like, on all, right. all the time. So yeah, so everybody's just going out their fucking business. So I'm like, all right. So then he's like, so see, he had a knife. He's like, yo, take this knife. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, yo, y'all see this shit? Like, he's giving me, he gives me a fucking butcher, like a butcher knife. So he's like, yeah, now come at me. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Trying to fucking set me up? Like, what are you doing? Like, I know you're not going to let me cut you, so what the fuck is about to happen? And I'm looking at everybody, and nobody's yeah, yeah, fucking nobody bailing me out. Nobody I think I might have, like, ran upstairs. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yo, I, I forgot my jacket. I'll, I'll be back. back. Yeah. I'm like, yo, and I don't know what happened. But I know I I know I ain't come out here. Came out alive. Yeah, I came out alive. Right, right. But that was that was his father. That was his pops. He was a nut. No, I I heard that uh, he loved boxing and westerns. Yeah. So when you guys went out, I would have stayed home with him sitting. That's right. That's right. And I would I would have gotten all the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the runs because I was younger than him. I think. Yeah, slightly. But he yeah he would he would have had you y'all would have came we'd have came back and y'all would have been. Saw stuff. Yeah, we've been on the third yeah, Western yeah. or watching all highlights. <laughs> yeah. Yo, so so we we gonna take a break, a break and and come right back. Yeah, we gotta find. Hold on, Sam. Sam what's, what's your uh, Louis? Thank you picked the music, man. What, what would you What would you listen? What would you like to hear? What's 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 your favorite thing to listen to? Oh, uh, 
Let's do some hip hop, man. All right, let me do some okay. hip hop. Okay. Let's Some syrup in the can and it's dry Riding this special like Bunny and Clyde Don't worry baby, I keep me some fire She need names and burgers, she cannot decide The ladies Mercedes, it goes to surprise Don't sleep on this lady, her pussy a prize Digging her back while I'm gripping her sides Digging my back, this ain't regular size You really floppy like Pelican guys Bitch, you ain't slick, I can tell her this guy's Upgrade at my wrist, put a guess in the sky She sing out my sauna and change her whole life I told her to goggle and work on her highs Everything litty, I love when it's hot Turned to the city, I broke out the notch Got some more millies, I keep me a knot I created history, it made me a lot He tried to diss me and it ain't no fox We call them trusted, cause they gonna chop Took her out of fallas, cause her pussy pop I run it like Nike, we got it on lock Get it, money, king, king, and I took the billy cool back then I hopped in the car. I put the bitch in the front of the billy in front of the driver. And man, the shit that is weedy can't smoke in the road. Right, wow, wow. I still double cut up, I'm drinking, I shoot off the tires. Huh? I'm in a coupe by myself. I had to kick a door when I was five. Keep the old ones on the shelf. Horses in round in the fire. I'm sick and tired of the young niggas act like they fine and telling them lies. Acting like they the one created this and they get all this drip from my guys. Yeah, Cardia ass, Cardia cup, Cardia ass to watch. Cardia love, Cardia to die. Cardia spec buffalo on the side. Prison cut diamonds, they Cardia, yeah. Cardia bad for the Cardia thot. Sky ring look cool with 200 the dash. Cardia jeans ain't no way I can say. Ain't no way I'm ever gonna go out. Man, I can't go out, no way I'm gonna go out. I just grip on her ass and I show out. I sit like a chap and I wait on her whole lot. I just whip up a new Chanel paddock. I whip it a wrist and I don't break the door out. Turn that whole top floor to a whole house. Hundred racks and one, two bought the flood out. Oh. Cat, money, cat, cat, and burn. Burn the money, send money. I don't want it. All right, so so we're back. Um. So we, we, we um we have someone else here we mentioned um our boy, someone who's very um you know, you, you meet you meet people we live in a in a in a weird world where sometimes you meet people and it doesn't matter. You can be different ages but you kinda understand one another. And Lewis is that for me, at least when I met you. And um doing federal practice 
it's, I don't think most people who are not in our profession understand how challenging the profession is in general. Not even talking about the business side of it, the human side of it. That's primarily what I'm talking about. But then also the distinguishing um, differences and the, the real live differences between state and federal practice um, and, the, and the work that we do. And um, Lewis has been, has been someone who's like helped me tremendously um, figuring it out. Because you can get so consumed with the challenges of, uh, and the demands of what it requires, of what you have to give to do your best for someone on, on their behalf. Um, it's good to have people around colleagues, peers, people who understand it. And you, he's been that for me. Now, I, you, we, you and your, you, you're younger than us. You're young, what I say, a young man, right? Fa- yeah. Father. Yeah. Uh, a daughter, right? Correct. Um, how did you meet this crazy motherfucker? <laughs> it's an interesting story. It was, uh, I would say, 2006. I was in a federal jail. I was in the MDC Brooklyn. Now let me say, okay, let's, yeah. let's we gotta let people know, MDC is considered one of the worst facilities, jails in the Bureau of Prison system. It's in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Um, if you charge federally, you're in there, you're detained. Unlike state court, you don't put up money to get a, a bond in federal. The judge either agrees to a package or don't and you're detained. You was in there, meaning you was visiting, or you... I was incarcerated in you there. You incarcerated. Correct. How old were you? It's 2000. I was 20 years old. 20? 20. 20 years old. Not even 21 yet. Turned 20. 21 in the federal... What in is it? Brooklyn. I'm a, all right, uh, we're going to have a real ill conversation right now, Stone, uh, Sam. Ill. We're going to have an ill... It's got to be dope. You know the vibes. This is going to be a dope conversation right now. What is a 20-year-old thinking when he in MDC? Oh, man. Not, not even you. I'm not... We're going to get to the person. I'm talking about the average 20-year-old. What is that? What, what does that look like, feel like at 20 in MDC? I mean, to be honest, man, it's like... It's... It's like adolescents just running around, just everybody's trying to prove themselves. Everybody's just trying to be, uh, you know, pretty much everybody wants to have the bigger, the bigger name, you know, a- the bigger amongst, reputation amongst, amongst, the amongst, amongst the peers. Correct. How do they act? How do they react to the people my age, the people in their little bit in their twenties, fifties? How they react to the guards? Like, are they are they grasping all those different political interactions that take place? Yeah, I mean, um, it's just so segregated, even to the point where it's like, you know, you have guys who are um, pretty much stand-up guys, mm-hmm. you know, based upon their statuses, you know, their cases, mm-hmm. and they associate with guys who've in their same similar circle. Same circle. And then uh, vice versa, you have other guys who, you know, go about their business differently, and they mm-hmm. associate amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's real isolated, even, um, even with cards you know keep it cordial hi bye you know we're both mm-hmm. we're, everybody's there doing a job we're there doing our time unfortunately for mistakes we've committed and mm-hmm. um that's you, got, you, may, you may have some good guards and not some oh yeah, yeah definitely I, I came across great guards to be honest mm-hmm. you know and um it was very cordial and um, real polite and they understood they came to do a job and not make everybody miserable as opposed to some guards who went in there and you know they wanted to just take out their chest and abuse their power i think i think those are the guards who understand that when you really think about a jail environment and, and the concept of it, 
you got to be a guard who's smart and thinking at the end of the day, you never in the numbers. The, the inmates always have the numbers. So it's always better to probably practice the art of diffusion than the antagonizing um, I agree. In, in that position. But real quick, I got a guy who got a great sentence. He's going to be home October. He got like 12, 16, he has 16 months. He, uh, I gave him his paperwork. He, I guess, gets moved, loses it. He guys getting somewhere else, called me, sent him the paperwork. But I can tell there's a nervousness for him. Like, you know, he getting pressed. You know, we know what it is. Yeah. Each facility got its own protocol. Some facility you go to, yo, where your paperwork at? Oh, you don't got it? Boom, somebody gonna make a phone call or go on Pacer or they gonna do whatever or check in somewhere and they're gonna have, you know, but this kid is in, is is like he's in in like he's insane with it, and I tried to tell him like ultimately, you have to be someone of character and intelligence and handle yourself. Do not let someone push you so far in one direction that you're not yourself anymore. But I can tell, more than likely, he's not gonna be in that group of people who are mature. He's gonna be in a whole totally different group, and he's having a difficult time. But then I know some people who go in and they're smart, they're bright, and they, they can manage it. But it's so normalized, people think that this is something that they, they could do. It's not something you could do. It's something that you got to really have to respond to. Correct. I agree. You know what I'm saying? You know, we had this discussion a couple weeks ago, Lewis and I. Guy goes up to Ray Brook. Happy as he could be making all kinds of friends. Don't you know, two weeks later, they want to see his paper. Mm-hmm. And so I said to Lewis, don't make any friends. You're leaving the MDC because they chased you out of there because you had a problem. You're going up to Raybrook, stay to yourself. If somebody asks you what kind of case you have, tell them, hey, fuck you. It's in their business what kind of case I have. Yeah. Don't make any friends. Let, let people lay back. Then you don't run into those, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's not a max joint. A max joint, then maybe yeah, you, know, you, you gotta, really got to watch your back. You watch your but back. a medium place... Don't try to be part of the crowd. Yeah. So now he's in trouble, and that might be the same with your friend, you know, yeah, yeah. your client. You're right. I mean, I don't know if I'm right. I didn't grow up going no, to but jail, I'm... but I, I know enough to know that if you stay to yourself so, and tell people it's none of the business, then usually they just leave you alone. You leave you alone. I think that's not until you until you understand the politics politics of certain situations and you react and right. figure it out. You're right. But 2006, 20. You meet him as his you know, lawyer? No, he actually represented my co-defendant at that time. Um, we had a co-defendant meeting. Um, got very intense. Uh, <laughs> some co-defendants were in trying, were in uh, getting along too great with their attorneys. Yeah, look, all right, now I'm going to tell you my spin on that shit. I hate co-defendant meetings because ultimately... Everybody's funny. Yeah, everybody's like a poker game. Yeah. Like, it's bullshit. But if you've been doing this long enough, you know who fucking... So you, as a lawyer, you're in this wild position because... You're thinking, all right, who's the, who's the rat? Who wants the rat? Brother, I should say. I don't see who's the rat. That's not. Who wants to, who wants to cooperate? You're trying to figure that out. 
And depending on who's calling it, you know, you don't know. It's all these no. different. You don't find out later it's, that it's, A and D want to kill each other. It's funny because <laughs> if we will tell you, it's exactly what we're playing out. Yo, yo, you know, <laughs> this, you know, exact, you want to see, yo, son, I'm going to see which motherfucker, yo. You see that motherfucker? Yo, you go back in the back, you're getting everybody's. Dude, yeah. And listen, I'll say this, and this is what's fucked up about American society. Because jail, in certain regards, is a lot realer than real life. But it has the same bullshit that everybody uses. And it's like, you get people who are fronting, and you don't really know, but everybody thinks they know. They know. So I've seen people get labeled as a cooperator, and they ain't cooperate. Exactly right. It never just, happened. Right. But, yo, nah, 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 all this ignorant shit. And then the last guy you think would cooperate, all of a sudden he's saying, yo, you're getting paperwork for the yo, yo. So then you get the killer, the toughest motherfucker who's in the room. Who was putting on the biggest show was a fucking cooperator. So it is usually they're usually use, useless, and they're not really helpful. But they can be funny. But they can be funny, and you figure out what's going on when you have a multiple defendant case. You figure out what's going on where certain facts are not known to anybody. Right, right. Meaning, yo, you got three motherfuckers who dead, but somehow they got some fucking detail in there. <laughs> Who is there? So, 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 who's your lawyer? Uh, Sally Butler at the time. I heard the name, but I have no deal. Zizu's wife. Oh, oh, yeah, she's cool. Very she's nice a nice lady. Yeah, she's um, she did her job. She was great, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we're in a co-defendant meeting. Um, Sam was uh, my co-defendant's third lawyer at the time. Oh, um, so he's he's a nut. Yeah, the guy's a nut. The second yeah. lawyer he chased around in the visitor room and he relieved him. <laughs> Yo, so Sam was literally chased. Literally, literally ch- tried. First of all, let me tell you something. The visitor room ain't that big. If you were in a room, somebody might have got hands laid on him. But yeah, so um, so he relieved him and Sam. You know, his first time on the co-defendant meeting, he's just observing, taking notes, and um, just pretty much uh, gave a, a overall idea of where we should go with the case, and um, you know. Different perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. We all just took into consideration. Some uh, co defendants of mine were into still fond of their attorneys as the plea offers and tell them to go, you know, fuck themselves. Hope that you guys can allow that language. No, 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 we good. Um, and, you know, it was just a conflict there, but I mean, it was just chaos. You know, it was chaos. chaos. But, um, and you're yeah, 20. I'm 20 at the you're time. You're probably right? one of the youngest people on the indictment. Yeah, I, one of the youngest people were probably in the institution from what the guards were telling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I would think 20, 20, they don't get no younger than 19, 20. Yeah. Right? That's about 18. Look, you could get there, but those are, that's the young bracket. Correct. You know? What are you thinking at this moment? Like, ah, man, to be honest, it's like, you know, your life flashes before you. You know, my first plea agreement was uh, 17 and a half to 22 years. Mind you, the federal system, it's a little different. They talk numbers. Mm-hmm. They don't talk years. So, you know, I get slapped with uh, 210 to 262 months. months. That's I'm doing, I'm doing the math in my head real fast. I'm like, hold up, 120 oh, months is 10 years right so there. Rest of my life. I'm like, you know what? You start thinking 20, you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be a stand up dude, but at the same time, you're thinking, like, that's a long time, time. to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, respectfully told my lawyer to decline that offer. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm at that time, I was willing to that's accept a, my consequences. But, that, but I found that a 20 year old, when you tell him 20, that's like the rest of his life. Exactly. It's hard to accept. I mean, you know, yeah. I didn't have a kid at the time, but, um, you know, I knew what I did had consequences and I, you know, wasn't going to take another route other mm-hmm. than just accepting what it was. But at the same time, trying to look for the best possible offer mm-hmm. there was, you know, where there was still a future and there was still time. It was a racketeering to, kind of charge? Uh, drug conspiracy. Crazy. Yeah. Drug conspiracy. 
Damn. Man, you... But you didn't tell him the best part. Oh, so the, um, <laughs> so the best part was um, I met Sam. We talked, um, you know, we, we exchanged numbers. Um, he told me to um, give him a call when I get out. You know, I told him, hey, you know what? I'll definitely give you a call when I get out. First mm-hmm. thing I do. Can, can, yeah. I, can I correct the record on that? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, listen, I hit it off with him good from the beginning. So that, that part's all accurate. And from my memory, it looks yeah, like yeah. a better memory than I do. Yeah, but the guys were threatening their lawyers. And okay. uh, and I started laughing. So the guy said, how the fuck can you laugh? That's not funny. I said, it is funny, man. So he's, I think that they, they thought I was a little crazy for laughing. But I think it was Lewis asked me, can I call you? I don't think I should call me when you get out. He said, can I call you? I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, right. Just, 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 <laughs> fucking now, now you want to play a judge, right? You fucking clean the record. I like Lewis' record better, all right? <laughs> yeah, that was better, but so you, you called him when you got Yeah, I came, out, I came home uh, summer of 09. So you uh, did like three. I did a little over three and a half. Right. Then, so then the, la- the last six months was in a halfway house. So you got like, what, 50, 60 months? Uh, it was a 60-month sentence. Yeah, 60 uh, months. So then essentially with the good time and, you know, it was roughly about That's like 50 months. Yeah. This is for a young, young man. Yeah. Did you see the difference of 20-year-old pre-plea, pre-sentencing, um, and, the, and the 24, 25-year-old? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, how can I say, uh, I grew up in an environment where it's like, you know, every corner you saw was pretty much drug dealers and addicts and going to school, you see walking by needles on the floor. That's just... And where was this? Bushwick. Bushwick, correct. That's just everyday lifestyle. You know, it's, it's there's no getting around that. There's no I turning mean, the corner and not seeing it. There's over there now, but Bushwick has always had a wild life. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed now, but it's not what it used to be before. No, it wasn't. You know, and no. you wouldn't see people even walking these blocks and having these, uh, you know, just showing these tours of paintings in the New York Times where people back in the day were getting murdered at least every block, every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. I got to mm-hmm. say peace to Kai, not because of what, uh, I'm really cool with a dude from Bushwick. Um, who I believe is not home right now, uh, Big Lee, Lee Jackson um, from Bushwick. But Bushwick has always been, hmm. yo, you, you, go out, you get caught up. You get yeah, caught up in Bushwick. When I, when I was growing up in his 80s, you get caught up. You go to Bushwick, you ain't moving right, or you moving with the wrong people or at the wrong time, and you're in a bad situation. Yeah, in the like, dirt. Because it's like, you know what it is? It's like being in Coney Island. It's like... You're like stranded. It's like Bushwick. You know what I'm saying? They got you. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. right where you, where you at. So it's it's wild. But so you get out. Y'all cook up. What happens? Um, he gave me a great opportunity. You know, gave me an opportunity to start a new life and mm-hmm. take a different uh, different approach on life. Um, started out doing a part time job, a few hours a day. Yeah. Um. And as time went by, responsibilities grew, and um, I just made sure I put everything into everything that was had to be done, whether it was, uh, you know, viewing discovery for clients mm. or doing interviews or whatever it is that needed to be done, essentially. When you, you know, when I think about a lot of the challenges that me and my brother Sam here has is, first is this one thing Sam had said, um, you know, when you want to run a case or... How do you determine whether you should or whether there should be a plea? Um, and in the federal system, how difficult is that, Sam? Talking to somebody 
asking it's easy. Well, it's difficult to give them to, the decisions easy ninety nine percent unless it's an airport case, mm -hmm. in my opinion, mm -hmm. for the most part it's a plea. Mm -hmm. Because the evidence is usually overwhelming. That it's just and, and it's you, convincing. I'll that. say uh, let me ask you this. In the federal system, how 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 much what is the percentage of you you would you say cases that come where the evidence is overwhelming? In federal cases. With the exception of the airport cases, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, it's there. And, and you're talking about, you know, me and you try cases. We want people out of the courtroom for very serious things. It's it requires a lot of work. How difficult is it for even good attorneys to do that in the federal system? Yeah, I mean, you can win every so often, but it's 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 a it's a hard. Hard venue to win. Not only do they do a good job investigating and building cases, but the rules are against yes. you, and the jurors and aren't as good anymore. Yeah. And they're against, the it's, jurors are against you. Yeah, the jurors are against you. You can't you. talk to them. You can't do a voir dire. No you got to do everything on opening statement. Mm -mm. And, uh, you know, the, the setting is one that the summation. brings great respect yeah. for the government and for law Is enforcement. It, isn't that something, all this respect, but somehow it seems as though the, the federal system, the orchestration of it, with all those things that you just said, it actually whittles away the presumption of innocence. Oh, yeah. Innocence. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then it's the rules of evidence, but then ultimately the jury charge that you get, and it's, it's difficult. So now, how do you decide whether you should go to trial or take a plea when you the evidence... Like how do you how do you come to that decision? The reason why I ask you, Lewis, is that we deal with people who sometimes I don't think they have the faculty, sometimes the discipline or the maturity to make an intelligent decision or accept where they're at. Honestly speaking, um, I met a kid. His name was um, was Bush mm -hmm. at at the MDC. He was uh, from Flatbush, so his mm -hmm. abbreviation was Bush. He was the same age as me. He had a uh, same conspiracy to distribute narcotics. Um, he felt that he had a shot. Mm -hmm. They offered him 10 years. He would have came home when he was 27. He had a daughter at the time. Mm -hmm. um, we used to always talk. We used to always have good conversations. He's a good guy. Um, I told him, listen, you know, in my opinion, I think you should take it, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he, he was in there, you know, two years fighting his case. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially, he would do another five more and he would be home, you know. Um, he felt he had a chance. He, you know, he rolled the dice, and um, I remember the look on his face when he came back, and you know, the, ver the verdict came in, cause not mm -hmm. even the sentence. Mm -hmm. His face and his demeanor just changed. The guy went from an energetic kid to like just being on his depressed, being on his cell every day, and just you know, couldn't think about his life for the next, you know, twenty to thirty years, because that's what his his, his sentence was going to be. And essentially, he got thirty years. He got thirty. Thirty. When you know he could have came home and still had a life. So that's the nightmare side of it. Thing I don't think most Americans really understand is: Did he have any? Did he have a body in the case? No, not a body. No body. Just, just drugs. No violence. He had no body in the case. No violence. Essentially, twenty years old, blows trial, catches a, another human being judge. Gives him damn near 25, 30 years. Correct. It's a, it's a, it's a pathology. <laughs> that's, it's a sickness. Now that, that's a sick person that would do that. 
That's a vicious, sick, if, if everything, there's no aggravating factors, no violence, no guns, no cutting old ladies, merely drugs, people want to buy them. Black market commerce, to give a guy 30 years on something like that, to me is, Damn. you couldn't have a conscience. You couldn't be a person who's a thoughtful but, person. But Sam, we know that's happening every day. Like, we know. We don't, we, we there. We see that. Those are the civilized people who give it out that time. Yeah, well, supposedly. I just... And then you get people telling you, yo, how, how does it feel defending those people? How can you defend an innocent person? Like, that's, that's why you those guilty, people... You made a guilty person. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, it works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> Defending an innocent person is really hard. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's what I, that's I might not be able to describe to you. I can give you an easy answer. Yeah. yeah. yeah but the, it's, a wild, it's a wild system. I don't think people understand that we deal with. That can, draws so many lives. Can I give you guys a little story? Mm-hmm. So, Lewis... Lewis and I never had a harsh word between us. We had disagreements um, because I never give any information and I expect <laughs> him to know exactly what's going on because he's super intelligent. He says, give me two more facts and maybe I'll figure out what you're talking about. But, uh, and he, I know he gets impatient with my, my disorganization and he's really kind of saves me every day. Mm-hmm. Not some days, but every day. But we're running a case, an airport case, where you have a chance. And I'm going to put the defendant on the witness stand. I've worked I got one coming for days. Up and uh, he's got some problems because he had gone in and spoken to the government. And we had gotten his son ready the three or four weeks before the trial. Mm-hmm. So I'm right here, taking a shower in the morning. And uh, <laughs> I said, you know, I'm not putting the father on to put the son on. But I have to be in court doing witnesses. And the son hasn't been notified. He'd been prepared weeks before, but mm-hmm. we decided not to call him. So I called Lewis on the phone. He said, what's up? I said, do me a favor. Call the son. We had the number. Get him over to the Park Plaza diner and get him ready. So he says, what do you mean get him ready? He said, get ready to testify. <laughs> he said, you're going to be kidding me. How do I do that? I said, the same fucking way we've been doing it for the last 15 years together. He, I said, you got this. He said, all right, I got it. Right? So I go, I go... Running in there, the guy's late. I, I said, Luce, I gotta leave. Here's his folder. We had a whole yeah. uh, binder on the sun. So I race out. I'm doing the, the witnesses. The son comes in and testifies. I call. Now I got through it before, but I didn't see him that day. The defense calls Mr. Tom Briss Jr. So he comes up to the bench. I do my direct examination. They get up for cross. I don't recall, I don't remember, I don't recall 27 times in a row. A quit on it. That's how you do it. <laughs> that's a good story. That's a true story. No, that's, that really happened. It really yeah. happened. You know, the kid, um, he was he was a good witness. He was old. He was one of those kids who just gave a lot of details. And I just mm. told him, listen, just keep it limited. Don't try to, you know, go into it. If you can't remember it, you know, just say, listen, I don't recall. If you can't say accurately, just say, I don't recall. And um, I just I don't want you to you my bro. I don't want you to get offended. You'd be a great prosecutor. That's what you that's what you taught as yeah. a prosecutor in grand jury to present a case to grand jury. Because if you're limited to that, you you create less opportunity for an adversary to poke holes in a story. Because you could poke holes in a story all kinds of ways, chronologically. You know, you don't know how individuals or humans think. In general, look, well, we have an idea now with yeah. social media. 
you know people are batshit fucking crazy. And it doesn't matter who they are, where they are, or where they're from. We know that about people now, like our psychology. So now you're coming from a profession with people who are approaching things from this very logical space. Those people are in the minority when you're talking about humans in general. So that, when you, when you start, when you have a person, when you're smart enough to recognize that a person who has a lot of detail needs to, you need to tinker that with, you know, just the, the answer and responses, that's a recognition that, you know, that person could, could get itself jammed the fuck up. Yeah, definitely. That was my concern, just opening up the door for other questions and just making him look like a liar and, and essentially just hurting himself and hurting the case. So yeah. I just told him, you know, if you can't, don't, don't it's not, you're not obligated to answer the question. And if you don't recall it, just say you don't recall it. Wouldn't it be that easy if witnesses listen to that? Is that, that, that helps. What I've learned is a lot of prosecutors are not used to cross-examining people. So if you do a very focused, uh, succinct, direct, you'll eliminate the possibilities of a, of a bad cross for your witness. And it worked out. So with that. We're going to go to uh, a little break. And then we come back. What, what do you want to hear? What, what do you want to hear? What you got in mind? What? You open? You want to hear a story? Some blues. Some blues. Some blues. I want to give you the story. We can go out real quick. Um, so I find out who Sam is. And I'm like, yo, I really fucking like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yo, this is a funny story. And look, this is not to get him in trouble either because um he's a good guy and i love his wife as well this is not this is just all good taste this story um and this was i think before i know it's right yeah you can't even get in trouble that's death that's facts so you know from a legal standpoint we also declare this is in the 90s so it's definitely true so i it's christmas in christmas time in the legal procession in the legal profession um you you go to these parties during the holiday period. So it was Christmas holiday period, and we go to this party. It was a court officer's party, um, and people are getting, you know, drinking. It's the middle of the day. It's a festive time. Lights are off. Then it's over and going to go to the next party. They turn the lights on, and I'm like, yo, who's that? It was like a dude dancing with a nice-looking lady. And all I saw was her butt in his hands, and he was like fully gripping it like crazy. He was and, in a moment. And I was like, yo, no. who is that? And then I seen it was Sam Greg. I was like, yo, this, yo, I like this guy. I was like, yo, he's a good boy. He's a fucking bad man. That shit is a true story. Is that a true story? He probably don't even fucking remember, actually. That's yo, a true story. That's a, that's a true story. I was like, yo, I like this guy. But every, every, you know, that's, that's, all right. Now we can go. <laughs> all right, so we will. You we'll, remember that story? Yeah, but I had one. Time. Yeah, but <laughs> Oh, we're going to go to a break. We're going to listen to some
That didn't make it um, were fucking wild. This school that's all. I don't have anything to add. But now we're back and we're talking about Brooklyn to Alaska since, you know, this is what this episode is about. What was your first, inter- what was the first time you decided that you were going to go back to Alaska and this was going to be something that you're going to make a part of your life? Well, Really, when I was way before I ever got to place in Alaska, when I was a young guy, I said, you know what? I want to work with kids and do fun stuff and go go to places where these guys never get a chance to go because I used to travel way back in the, I guess the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, I used to go with Pete down to the Central Ward of Newark, mm-hmm. which at the time, uh, I guess it was right after the riots. The riots were 65, mm-hmm. but was... Uh, you know, it was a place that was, I guess, emblematic of many cities in the country, but it was really... And we're talking about the Newark riots. Yeah, it was, but it was, this was like 67, 68. And, uh, you know, it was a place that was, it was a troubled place. And mm. uh, so I don't know if I formed the idea then, but I always wanted to be in the wilderness. And he, he was an outdoorsman. It really got me going on, you know, wanting to spend time in, a, in isolated places because he just loved the outdoors, and we did a lot of stuff outdoors together. Mm. And so that that idea was probably implanted way back then. And then when I got to place in Alaska, for a number of years I wanted to do it, never could get going, and finally um, started small and grew it a little bit. And and the culture of it got better with with time. Uh, You know, I took some some older kids that were, were... a little tough in, in some ways. Uh, I won't say the die has been, been cast because anybody can change their lives, but it wasn't as though the, can't change your history. No, you can't change your history, and it wasn't as though when if you're if you're 18 or 19 years old that this trip is going to have the same impact, generally speaking, as if you're 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and I won't say that categorically, but generally speaking, so we began to reduce the age and. Uh, now the thing's humming along pretty good, although I need a replacement because I do, you know. You do a lot. 
I do administrative work probably between November and the trip averaging two and a half hours a day now. Uh, but what we're really excited about, and Lewis probably has a better insight to this than I do because I'm too close to it. He went up for two years and uh, after that said he almost killed half a dozen risen. I like I like Alaskans. to go I like to go I like to go up again when when Lewis goes up. What what was it like when you went, Lou? Uh it was a great experience, you know, I um pretty much never really traveled anywhere, you know, um so it was it was a great experience, you know, just Seeing something other than just New York City and mm-hmm. just like the concrete jungle, you know, I was born and raised in New York City, so that's all you know. That's all I ever saw. Mm-hmm. You know, so just the, the the speed of life over there is so different. Um, just it's just it's way different, you know. It's 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 hard to even explain with words to be honest. But like you know, mm-hmm. coming from um, you know the ghetto, I guess you can say, or a hood at one point or another. And just experiencing that and just embracing life in a different way, it, it's, it's, it's a great thing. And if the kids embrace it the way it's supposed to, I think it's, 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 it's very productive for them mm-hmm. in the future. And it could take them in a, in a good direction. Sam, Sam has his picture in his office. It's like a panoramic view, it, it, it visually looks like. But it's, I'm looking, I'm trying to place where his house would be on that map. It'd be uh, to the right, right of to the right of the top is the highest point, right? That how that right. structure. We, when we were walking, you see that, that tall building? Yeah, that's if yeah. you go in that cut, we're in that yeah, cut. I know that. Yeah. And we hiked all the way up yeah. to to where there's no more trees. That's yeah. where we hiked. Yeah, the, the four that, of us hiked. I love that. And then when we came down to get to the glaciers we came down right. and went there and then no, it's pretty, that's pretty much the way it is. Yeah, that's a beautiful now. shot. I, I mean, I, I um, I'm gonna tell you when we went to. Obviously, a lot of people know we have went to to uh, Alaska a couple years back. It was one of the most uh, rewarding adult. In my, I can't even say adult in life trips I've had. Like it was really, it was, it was really, um, it, it, it opened me up to how, when you really understand the relationship between being a human to the land, cause you can't do anything without holding the land in some sort of regard. Um, you, you have a different appreciation in the world, um, than more of a consumer. Cause so much of our programming is, yo, I need this. I need this. Let me take this, take this, take that. Instead of, yo, let me create something that is you know and, and that was one of the main things and then that it's so opposite of what we live in in the city in the hood <laughs> it's right. like the, the people like the space is it, is one of the best times that i've ever had uh, and i'm i'm hoping to continue to get educated about what's out there but i, I i'm gonna tell you i think it's going to be difficult we li- we're in a world now where you're gonna if you're gonna get into understanding nature and living more than just in the city environment, you better get to it now because it seems like our globe is like shrinking. Yeah, I mean that's we've had this discussion before, uh, but I encourage you guys to, you know, stake a claim up there and mm-hmm. make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna take a you know it's gonna take a commitment to. To getting away from everyday life and making an initial financial investment, which is not really the issue, but over the years, making a commitment to your own, I don't want to preach you, but what I've done is make a commitment to my own time and say, mm-hmm. you know what, you know, I got everything I want, 
it comes to uh, material things. There's nothing I, I need that I don't already have. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I really want to do is enjoy this program. In a minute, I want to talk about the leadership mm -hmm. program. But also enjoy Alaska and with friends. And so, I mean, you know, my whole life is revolved around the dreams, 90% of which never come true. But <laughs> if I had you guys up there, that would be a dream come true. Because, you know, I could help you just in the general logistical stuff I can't really build. Mm. But um, and I know where to go for you guys to get that spot. And we talked about it because it's going to get rough here, mm. at least in the next couple of years. With, uh, you think Trump will win again? No, I don't. You don't think? But say, I, listen, you know, listen, I'm listen, a sucker. Listen. I'm a full, I'm a true believer. I, 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 I really think. What does Bobby I, think? Your twin? No, he, he, he hates no. him so much. That no, but get the hate. Do you think he can win again? I think he can win, but yes. I don't think he will well. win. You know, they. I, I was looking at this thing yesterday. And I don't want Bernie Sanders at all, not because no. I don't agree with his politics, mm -hmm. but I want to, for now, I want to see, just, just to stabilize mm -hmm. the bleeding, just get rid of Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't care who it is. So I you mean, don't care, then Bernie uh, doesn't bother you. No, I, if, as long as he wins. It's whoever. But that, I said he can't win. And Who could win, you think? But let me just make the point. So they did a thing in, in, in Arizona that in 2016, Trump beat Hillary by 100 or uh, Trump, yeah, beat Hillary by 160,000 votes. There's been one million people in that state mm -hmm. that have turned 18 since 2016. They're eligible vote that weren't eligible for before. Most of which and are Latino know, people. And, and, so maybe he can win. I don't care who it is, as long as we win. Who, well, my choice would be Elizabeth Warren. Would yeah, be my first she's choice. She's too smart, and she's, she's a too woman. smart, right? And then she doesn't. Well, she. Yeah, I don't see that. But, but let's let's get back to, to sorry. Yeah, to, no, yeah, to, yeah to, but I, I wanna I wanna get back to Brooklyn to Alaska. We know the importance of it. It changes narratives, it gives people an opportunity to really create community and young people, young women and men and the 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 adults involved, the supervision. Right. It gives everybody an opportunity to learn each other's narrative and to create a, a much more practical human narrative of community right and accountability right you said you don't want to do it anymore well i don't i don't want to do the day to day you want to do if i yeah. get somebody to take my place or i wouldn't mind doing it what it's become i was thinking about this yesterday is it's and it's not unpleasurable or mm -hmm. distasteful work but now it's work yeah like i mean I you know registering vehicles get insurance Getting the kids' background information, yeah. getting waiver signed, and Lewis does. Well, now I think I'm doing more even than Lewis. Does. No, but we in we, the old days he did the vast majority of it. I think we then got to really build on how we can make that the most efficient way. I think in the in the age of technology and certain things and resources and people that you have that are committed as well, um, is a way to fine tune that where we could do that. Right. We got to stick to that. And maybe and, get somebody, a clerical yeah. person, that, and. Teach them how to do it and have them be a group leader on the But trip. it's also a part of the narrative of what you have is you have to also keep preserving the content in the story that you're telling so that the person who would be responsible for continuing it to grow has some content to understand what it's about. This is a really big deal. Oh, I, you know, Kenny, you, you're really speaking my language because, you know, there's a, there's a culture... 
uh, that I, I don't know if I created it, Lewis helped me and mm-hmm. other people out, where, uh, where there's a great deal of freedom for people to grow on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not corporatized or regimented in a way that most programs are. And I think if you lose that authenticity, you lose kind of something that's important for the program. And I had a discussion recently. I'd love to hear all three of your views on this. It wasn't really a discussion. It was a shouting match. But I take a number of kids that are uh, privileged people with money, white kids from Brooklyn. And uh, I got some pushback from some of the people who are on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I want these guys to be together as a group, as a team. You mean push for back 14 days. don't bring them? Or? You can't, you shouldn't do that because you're, you're not being true to the donors that mm. there's, okay. that, that in some way, especially if you're subsidizing mm. them, which I think they have a point. You mm. can't subsidize mm. people who have the money to send mm. their own kids. But what I've done is I'll send somebody for half price and then I get a thousand every year mm. for the, as long as they're around, which is, they pay for the trip and then more. But I mean, it's been a bit of a, of a point of contention about whether or not we should even be bringing these kids. And I mean, I, I understand how you can think about that, but I think when you're talking about providing a rich experience, a group of kids, 12 who are only, they're not subhuman and no different in complexity or simplicity than any other human, but they do. You know, their 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 day to day is filled with a lot of like, oh, watch out, watch out. Now they get an opportunity to have and understand that that whiteness is a false concept. There's these three rich kids. You, they like, they're not gonna be oppressed in that environment. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or they're not gonna. They're gonna be free in that environment. Uh, like my experience has been like they like yo. Bobby, what? Yo, yo, motherfucker, your daddy ain't up here right now. Oh, you exactly. But, and and, that's that. not... and they're, 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 it's, it's a struggle for everybody. And so it, these guys understand that, that there's a universality of. So I'm not loneliness. mad. I'm not mad with, you know, I know that's not, but the experience for those young men to have with that, um, I'm not like. Oh, that we, we shouldn't be doing that. Now, listen, here's the problem. You got programs when they stunt come with, this is going into a whole other thing. We got programs where we talk about diversity. And the diversity that comes is like, it's not really, it's not, it's not addressing the reason why you needed diversity in the first place. Right, right. And, and we don't, I don't get into, I mean, That's I let these guys figure out their own way. Shit. You know, yeah. I just put them together and, and I don't talk about, Politics or race? I mean, I guess I did a yeah, couple we, of years ago. I said they're coming for you, and you know they're, they're, they're going to try to imprison I, you and maybe Key if they get a chance. Yeah, but uh, they're too young for that, I think. You know what I mean? You never know. Yeah, it depends on the kid. And, like, and, I, and also, I start thinking I'm shake Wolf Hour and I want, want to execute three or four people. It's not the revolution. <laughs> you know? It ain't the revolution. It's just kids going Sammy. on a trip. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I already know. Stone was like, yo, dad, 
Okay. Yo, what the fuck are you doing? Yo, he's like, yo, we just ran in the tents. Yeah, he's like. But, but, but you know what I wanted to talk a little about? And I don't want to dominate the conversation because Lewis probably has some insights that uh yeah, we that we, I don't good, have. we good. We have a lot of content. We still haven't talked it's, about the leadership stuff. So 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 I was sitting kicking it with Stokes, and I think Lewis had something to do with this. What is it? Where do we go from here? So they talked about we're going to do college essays, and, you know, have educators. And I said, you know, these kids, if they really want to find that, they can find it. They don't want to be doing extra work in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They don't want to associate Brooklyn to Alaska with with academics and school. This is bullshit. I don't want to be involved in this. I didn't say it to the board of directors. I don't necessarily agree with that, though. Well, it's not, not, it should be available come, for we, them. We can come, they should be, but we, we can come back to that. So, so, uh, so Stokes and I, and Lewis was tangentially involved, said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to have these guys take the whole thing over. And so the last few years, the schools have been picking all the kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm not getting anybody from the gang unit. Mm-hmm. I'm getting kids. They may have some issues with behavior, but good character, serious kids. Mm-hmm. So now they're going up this summer for nine days. Without me, I'm going to meet them the first day with two nationally recognized river guides, and they're going to learn how to run rivers. They're going to do it this year and next year in 2022. They'll be basically running the trip with one or two senior guys just to make sure for safety stuff. Mm-hmm. So that we're very—they're going crazy um, with all the money we raised last year. I'm going out to Seattle on Thursday, picking up a van we bought with fifty thousand miles, putting a roof rack on it for a thousand, driving to Idaho, picking up eight thousand dollars worth of gear, going back and dropping it in Seattle to be driven up to Alaska. You doing it? Yeah, I'm just doing the Seattle part, and then somebody's going to drive it up. Stokes' father. So I'd love to hear what you guys think about this leadership thing. I got. I mean, I think the leadership. Um, you have to really. That's when I think you should have a really good sit down with the Stokes and and uh, the Phils and the Mallies and you and Lewis and uh, Emmett, people who have different perspective. Someone from out there. And, and when we, we first got to identify when we say leadership, what do we want people to lead in? Well, the first thing, you guys come in in a big way with respect to the, the philosophical and the hands-on interactions with the participants. Mm-hmm. We have the technical support for these guys to learn how to run rivers, mm-hmm. learn how to do the, the kick and cook and learn how to clean up camp, do all that technical stuff I had to run the trip. But next year, and I think I spoke to you guys, but we're going to do two seminars, uh, retreats, leadership retreats, where, where you guys, I hope, will, will take that over and I'll, I may show up and then leave, where these guys are kind of given an opportunity to figure out how it is they're going to deal with kids that are just a couple of years younger than them on mm-hmm. a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they'll do a much better job than me, but that's where I think these guys can uh, engender, you know, radical revolutionary transformation in other young kids. Because to come up and see guys that came from your neighborhood running the trip, it's like, wow. That's very empowering. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's very empowering. But, you know, so we, we can talk about that uh, because that that's part that's really a part of the trip 
that I haven't figured out, I know has to be figured out, and we're always going to do that next year. Um, during the course of the year, I have two or three um, retreats, maybe in the Poconos, and just one night. We let you guys leave Friday night, spend all day Saturday, and come back Saturday afternoon. And you guys could do research and figure out what it is you <laughs> want up, to try buddy? to give them. Emmett. Yo, my, my man Emmett just came in here. I just was thinking about that boxing match we missed, man. I'm so pissed off. I, I wasn't. That was a bad boxing match. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm talking about I missed you. I missed. I still wanted to see it. You know what I'm saying? It was sloppy. That's uh, all right. I don't know. I'm de- your dad still, I'm sure he has some video. You didn't even send it to me. I'm pe- that I was saying, I was saying the, the good, I may still have it, the good one, when he went up the same place and fought this young That's guy. That's on YouTube. That's on YouTube. Yeah. Some good battle. Nice. Send me the link. So we'll we keep plugging away and we'll keep doing our thing. And uh, you know what I could use from you guys is uh, somebody who's young and would like to go this year to help out with some driving and some cooking and yeah. some, some work. Because you know what it takes. I mean, you were up there mm-hmm. with just adults, but mm-hmm. even just with us, although I never touched a, a pot, you know, somebody's got to cook, somebody's got to do the dishes, and so that's what we do for the kids. We, I don't make them cook. Mm-hmm. I don't make them work. It's hard enough on them mm-hmm. being yeah. up there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So think about that. Yeah, we could be Because yeah, we'll I know you're not available. No, Kenny, I, know, I, don't, I, don't, I know I got to take Stone to some, I got to take him to some college thing in Virginia and Connecticut. He's going to South or North Dakota, he said. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For school, he's gonna go look out there. No, uh, no, nah, he got some camp thing that he um got approved for. Oh, good. Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you telling the kid Dakota. who's been to Alaska mm-hmm. under harsh conditions? He suffered, man. Yeah, he had that really got yeah, blew yeah, up, jammed him up, but he he came back. But he did. Yeah. Went straight to camp. He's like. He's, you know, that builds a lot of character, man. Yeah, well, that was good because, you know, I noticed, I think, no, I'm wrong. It wasn't Emmett. Somebody else. Emmett, you on there with Stone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it was Emmett watching out for him. Yeah, he was. I remember. Yeah, just, just, just check it, touching base with him, putting the towels on his skin and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, no, I remember yeah. he, he's like, <laughs> he's like, yo, dad, I like it, yo, it hurts. I was like, man. Because it's dry up there, and, it's, and it's, yeah, the sea yeah, yeah. the the eat, eat all the canned food. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny. Well, look. So yeah. So with 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 that said, man, everybody's gonna know about Brooklyn to Alaska. For those of our audience who are in Brooklyn and can make it out, come to the uh, Brooklyn to Alaska fundraiser on March 11th at uh, the Brooklyn Historical Society make a small donation of five thousand dollars and you get yourself you, a table you're gonna get off right now yeah, yeah. Some, look, look, somebody <laughs> somebody's getting uh acknowledged yeah nobody oh yeah there's a big shot yeah, so there's nobody getting acknowledged. <laughs> i don't even i didn't it's yeah, probably yeah. lewis it's a real it's a real, it's a real rags and riches story one guy is really jammed up and turned his life around man Going in the wrong direction, great role model. One guy I want you to invite. Who's that? Cleveland. Tell him to bring his jacket with him, too. Oh, oh, Barn. Barn was supposed to come in. Yeah, he was. Oh, he's funny. I, he, he says, Can you put my jacket now? I said, 
What size is this too small for you, yeah. my man? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bar. Yo, yeah, shout out to Barn, man. Barn. He's, he's barn. supposed to be here. He's a character, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a kick at him. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a good, good guy. guy. Great storyteller. Is he? Yeah, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. yeah, no, he was fun. Really bright. Right, dude. All right, so um, so our, our brothers Sam and Lewis, um, Brooklyn to Alaska. Just yeah, come seriously. Uh, if you don't come out March eleventh, six to nine. Um, if you don't come out, go online. Just check out what the program is about. If you want to, if it's young kids who you think this would be an enriching experience down the line, sometime you know, reach out to us. Come support. Um, I think it's something that you know we're not. It, it, it's an opportunity for us to build the community that we so much on our day-to-day have issues with. And that's what I think is great for the program with, with the people involved from, from Lewis and Sam. And you just see it for yourself. So, you know, yeah. anything else? That's, that's it. I look forward to seeing everybody there. All right, man. You know what I told somebody Not the other night? Huh? I was with him and your name <laughs> came up. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That, they said, you know, I really like that Kenny Montgomery. So I said, I think I mentioned who it was. So yeah. I said, yeah, I said, he's a solid guy. So he's got a very soft heart. So they said, yeah. I said, but sometimes he can be a little thick. They said, what do you mean? So I told the person, I was sitting with him, and this dude got up and walked away. But he was coming back, and Kenny said, I don't think he likes me. So I said, he said that he like, doesn't like you, man. I said, he's fucking scared of you. <laughs> he said, why is he scared of me? I said, take a look at you, man. You're fucking six feet. You got shoulders eight feet across and you're angry, militant black dude. What the fuck are you want to be afraid of? Yeah, that's not right, man. I'm a nice guy. I don't have any problems. <laughs> I just had to tell you, you know what I mean? Oh, you're, not, you're not the nicest guy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, but that's a... That's a whole other episode. So, so we, we we're gonna say peace to our, our brothers, Lewis and Sam. Thanks again, and um, and it's the Brooklyn Combine. We're signing off. Yeah, yeah, peace. All right, peace. Thanks, guys. Bow, I gotta get it out. Bow, God's here. Whole lot of gangs in the spot. Whole lot of in the Casamato. D. Sav, G. Giuliano, T. That we're walking. Bow, uh, it's my guy right there. Hey. Hey, movie. Sip some honey. Oh yeah, he got blunt. Oh, look, I'm feeling richer than ever. Old friends like Foggy, we should be sticking together. If I change, then I did for the better. Uh, made it out the storm. I said a flight. No, I'm not missing the weather. No issues, my only problems. All this money's gonna fit in this leather. I'm on a mission, whatever. Uh, she wanna stay in it, she better get it together. Said A three times, I made it the littiest letter. Hey, hey, when they get it, I'm better. Uh, can't walk in my shoes, nah. and you can't fit in this sweater. Hey, no, no. never. never. Too smart, clever. Ay. Revenge, vendetta. We see him, we get him. Hey, I'm with a wetty, she getting wetter and wetter. Uh, I gotta turn up, it's part of my daily endeavors. Uh, Watch who you talking to. Why your remarks are remarkable? Ay. Turn around, doggy style, I'm dogging you. Hey, hey, hey. There's money involved, she a rider and she come with a car. Uh, I'm feeling richer than ever. Old friends like Foggy, we should be sticking together. If I change, then I did for the better. Made it out the storm. I took a flight, no, I'm not missing the weather. No issues, my only problems, how this money's gonna fit in this leather. I'm on a mission, whatever. She wanna stay in it, she better get it together. Said A three times, I made it the littiest letter. 
But when they get it, I'm better uh, Can't walk in my shoes nah. And you can't fit in this sweater Ayy, I'm feeling richer than ever Rolls Royce, she got the orange leather All my money gotta stick together Now my bitch, she like a Cinderella She brought a bitch, now it's a get-together My niggas rich, gon' get your shit together Cut the rape, come with a new umbrella He a lane, tell her do better I took a flight Neck good, but she can't stay the night Five, I got the money, I'm rich, they all on my body Hit the bitch, level right in the lobby Cut the board, cause I done with the Audi Racks, sloppy, bank account Poppin' richer than ever Old friends like Foggy, we should be stickin' together if I change, then I did for the better. Uh, made it out the storm. I took a flight. No, I'm not missing the weather. No issues. My only problem is how this money's gonna fit in this leather. I'm on a mission, whatever. Uh, she wanna stay in it. She better get it together. Said eight three times. I made it the littlest letter. Hey, hey, hey. When they get it, I'm better. Can't walk in my shoes. And you can't fit in this sweater. Hey, never. Too smart. Clever. Revenge. Vendetta. We see him. We get him. Hey. So that's so. So now you understand my challenge with keeping time. No, but look, like this guy. Listen, no, but look. Follow the time. Look, but look, look how much stuff we talked about. You can't fucking make up what we just did. No, I mean the it's narrative it's, it's and the storytelling of what we deal with as humans yeah. and, and attorneys. No, and, you know, that's why I didn't start storytelling. He's a fucking asshole. You know what I don't like? I don't like how the fact that wait, wait, wait. This is my brother. This is my brother. That's what it Shut always the is fuck up. up. Hold, hold on, let me just tell you something. The lighter skinned black guy, even though he's darker, <laughs> he's dark. See? Because he has fine hair or something. Yeah. But you know, guys all of a sudden on the I'm, same I'm, I'm going to tell you page. something. In Alaska, I had two neighbors one guy down the hill and one guy up the hill. We met. The guy up the hill, he doesn't want to cut, cut one twig <laughs> off any trails because he's an environmentalist. He's a nut. He's an extremist. The other guy wants to have a bulldozer and bulldoze everything out of the way. I like that. And so between the two of them, they work it out and they have middle ground. And I That's suggest that you and, you and Phil can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinda, yeah. We could, we could like do that. that. Yeah, but yeah, you, know, yeah. you got the extremists on the one side <laughs> and the extremists on the other. And yeah. then all of a sudden it just works out, you know? Yeah. Perfectly. Harmony.